1: Hey, my cat-loving friends. Last month, we introduced you to Dr. Kelly Cairns, who is VP of Medical Excellence Education for over 400 Thrive Pet Healthcare facilities. That's a lot. And she has graciously agreed to be a regular with us and answer some of the questions that we need to know about every day for our cats. Today's subject, osteoarthritis in your cats. This is something a lot of people don't know about, and I think just about every cat gets it. I don't know. We'll be right back after the sponsored ad, and we'll talk to Dr. Kelly. Linda,
2: I love my cats, but I am so tired of lugging around those heavy boxes of litter. (sighs) And and scooping every day, twice a day, on your
1: knees. So what is the answer? Well, I've heard of this new company called
2: Kitty Poo Club.
1: Do you know about them? I have actually heard about them. They send you boxes to your home, so no hauling litter. The litter's in there. The boxes are recyclable. And they say one box should last one cat for an entire month. That's great, but what is the litter like? What if my cats don't like the type they send you? Ah, you can choose your type. We know we've got clients that are diehard clay and clients that are more, you know, working toward environmental friendliness. Of course. They have different kinds you can choose from and even different
2: size boxes. You mean they've got one big enough for my 19 pound cat peanut butter? Peanut butter, yes, they have an <laughs> XL box just for peanut butter. Woohoo, he really needs that. He's got a big batukis. How much does this
1: cost? You know, if you get on their auto ship program, number one, you don't have to remember to buy anything. No more opening the cabinet and saying, "Uh uh-oh, we're out of litter. Oh, I do that a lot. But they will give you your first shipment at 25% off if you use the code 19CATS. And shipping is free. Oh, I love free shipping. Sign me up. Yeah, no kidding. Just go to kittypooclub.com. Don't forget the code 19CATS and get on it. I think this is going to be great. I especially want to sign my elderly parents up. This is going to be awesome for them.
2: I'm heading to that website right now. Thank you. Me too. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to 19 Cats and Counting. I am your co-host, Linda Hall, here with my ever-gorgeous, shining, glowing, radiant BFF,
2: Rita Reimers. She's putting in the comments so that she can, you know, later get some favors from those comments. Yeah,
1: I told you. I'm building it all up for when I need something. Okay. So let's get Dr.
2: Kelly in here. Yes, I know. Arthritis Osteoarthritis, big problem for our senior cats, and um, a lot of people really don't understand how it sets in, how to tell if your cats got it. Yeah, Dr. Well, Kelly,
3: thank you so much for having me back. It's so amazing to be back with you guys. I love seeing all the kitties. This is yeah, amazing. I've,
2: I've got
1: a, I've got a grouping behind me. I have a question for you. I read once, and I have repeated this statistic to many, many people. So I'd like to know if it's No, You right. wants to validate it. <laughs> that 95% of cats over age 10 have arthritis to some degree. Is that true?
3: Boy, yeah. You know what? I would say that's probably pretty accurate. I know that studies have been done show that 60% of cats uh, that are in that mature category, so seven, do have uh, some osteoarthritis. Now starting at so seven. It- okay. Okay. It wouldn't surprise me that that number is much higher once you get to the senior category, which the American Association of Feline Practitioners defines as 10 or older. It's incredibly common. 10 is still
2: young in my book. I have a cat that's, she's going on 18 this year. So it's like 100% that she's probably got some sort of arthritis, arthritis, yes.
3: Well, if you think about it, I mean, cats, although they're not small dogs and they are unique in many amazing ways, this is one of those areas where they're really not so different from dogs or even people. We would expect a cat as they age to have the same age related degeneration or breakdown of cartilage in the joints related to aging. It's a degenerative or age related condition. Many people are familiar with as we get older, osteoarthritis happens, and I it have arthritis. I got those little bumps starting and I'm just, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, we work in the behavior world and a lot of, you know, I don't know, my cat's just cranky all of a sudden, or my cat was playing with the other cat and all of a sudden he flipped out. What was his problem? And I looked down and got "Uh, your cat's 11. I wonder if your cat's hip hurts and your the other cat touched it or, you know, there's a relation there to behavior. People, are, Why is my cat suddenly grumpy? I am not easy to live with when I'm
3: not feeling well Doctor <laughs> Kelly. I'm kind of grouchy. Yeah, you raise a really great point that I think sometimes folks don't uh, think about, which is the behavioral manifestation of pain, which could be, not recognized as pain, especially when I hear you talk about the tail. So we commonly will see that what we call a lumbosacral and coccygeal region. So the back of the spine, right where the tail comes off of the body and where we like to scratch and some cats like to go up, but that area and then the, the joints, the spinal cord in the tail, those are joints. They're called facets or joints of the spinal cord, and those very frequently can get arthritis. So I know my own kitty; he's very sensitive in that tail region. Ah, oh, that makes my sense. Dexter that
2: is, but sense. I think he just likes the scratching. He's too young to have. Yeah. Well, is he too young? I mean, is it
3: uh, is it not a good that younger cats
2: get arthritis too?
3: dexter's two two yeah so age related degenerative changes would be unlikely in a two-year-old cat although some cats can actually congenitally be born just like dogs can get uh a congenital kind of what we call hip dysplasia so yeah some cats could be born with some, especially some of those um breeds that have like the brachycephalic or smush breed cats or other of cats that there is can be born uh, and have some you know, congenital changes that can set them up for arthritis earlier in life. See what he's okay. doing? He loves so this. How do we,
2: yes.
1: I know when you guys see the
3: scratched. video, he you'll kind see. Of blah, blah, blah. He loves a butt <laughs> scratch.
2: Earlier in my career, I did have a client who actually first saw Jackson Galaxy, and they weren't happy with Jackson's answer, but mine was similar. One cat jumped on the other- and the other cat had some form of arthritis going on and the pain, and then they became enemies. But Jackson (laughs) told her the same thing, but it it wasn't until she got the second opinion from me that she really believed it. How do we know? How do we know? I mean,
1: I'm looking around at my cats and I'm thinking, yeah, X number over age seven, most of mine are over age seven. How do do I know if they're suffering? Because I want to help them.
3: Yeah. And that's a really great point. So what we've recognized is that Pet parents, cat parents, and veterinary professionals sometimes don't recognize that a cat might be in pain. And I'm really pleased to say that we've gotten a lot better as a profession. And the American Association of Feline Practitioners actually has a wealth of resources, as do some other organizations that you can Google and search. Here's the take-home point. Cats are pretty smart, and they are really good at hiding pain, as opposed to- Right. As opposed to a dog who yeah. may have a painful joint, but is still going to run around, chase the bird, chase the ball and then show lameness or limping. What are cats going to do? You know, they're probably going to just modify their behavior so that that pain is not noticed So this is one of the reasons why it's so important that you do bring in your kitty for regular veterinary checkups. At the end of the day though, you know your cat better than anyone. So we are relying on you to observe your kitty in their natural environment and report, here's what's key, changes in behavior. So here's a few things that I will share with uh, kitty families. These are some questions that you should ask yourself about your cat's behavior like in the last month or so. Has personality changed? Has their sociability changed? Maybe their urination or defecation habits have changed. Maybe they're hiding more. They seem to be slowing down. Even maybe they used to jump up on your table. Now they're hesitant, even hesitant before jumping. Difficulty jumping up or down where they hedge. Maybe they didn't clear a jump in one leap or they use their arms to pull their legs up. Yeah, that's
2: my smoochie.
3: Okay. Yeah. You know, even uh, reaching down to the ground to touch it before leaping. The cat is telling you, because cats are smart, I feel different. Now, Dexter here, he's
2: two. He has always had hesitation jumping and he sometimes falls off the table, loses his balance. So there could be something like that going on.
3: There could be, and you know, and then, you know, there's also here, so here's some other things. So those are some subtle things and changes. Now, certainly some of these things, changes in behavior, changes in sociability, changes in urination, defecation, peeing, pooping could also suggest an additional medical problem. And this is why you're seeing your vet, but we really, in many cases, identify that those are pain behaviors. Here's some other things you may see though, that might be a little more obvious, but you may in the busy of the day, not notice them. Maybe the way that your kitty, if you have stairs in your house, is climbing up or down the stairs has changed. Maybe there's uh, bunny hops when climbing stairs uh, where both legs hop at the same time. Maybe they're angling their body a little differently when they go downstairs or taking breaks. They may have a different behavior when chasing moving objects, where they slow down or take breaks, or they're running alternates between jogging and walking. Or you might see that their back feet angle and they're not straightforward. All of these things can indicate pain. So I recommend that folks take videos. Because that is the single most important thing you can do in addition to talking to your vet for us to be able to look to look at those videos and interpret what we're seeing as well.
2: Love you know, that. Our current podcast that we
3: interviewed, a guy that has developed a tracker,
2: remember the Moogie Me? Yes. To, it kind of keeps track of your cat's motions. Has he have been you jumping heard up this? less? Has he been sitting less? It's really a great tool to use in conjunction with this.
1: Yeah. Have you heard of Moogie Me, Kelly? No, I'm going to have to check that out. I think it's M-O-G-G-I-E dot M-E. It is a tracker that you put the chip on and it goes to your phone and it'll tell you, hey, I haven't been active in three hours. Maybe you should play with me. Hey, I haven't been. It tracks how many times they stop to eat, to drink, to use the potty. So you can get a thing that says, and then it kind of combines your stats and gives you what a regular is. So I normally use my litter box blank times a day. And now I'm only using it blank times a day. Get thee to the vet. That's is this really the cool. coolest thing ever? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But and that's something you know when you said you might not even notice.
2: at 12 cats. <laughs> <laughs> I have 15. So yeah.
1: <laughs> I've had to force myself to stop and go through the list and think, Have I seen Galway lately? Have I seen my kismet is FIV. And whenever he has a flare up, he breaks into my kitchen cabinets and hides it. When I go to get a plate and I find a kismet, I know we need to do something. Yeah, he's
2: got to go to the vet. (laughs) But I'm
1: really in tune to him because of his FIV. The other 11, they're cats. They come, they go. You don't see much of them because they're upstairs on a bed. You know, It's hard to keep track of who's acting like what, especially when you have a multi-cat household. Absolutely. I do a uh, once a month at Arden Moore, we took a uh, safety Mm -hmm. and CPR first aid kind of class for cats with Arden Moore and she full body check once a month. So at least once a month, I've got my hands on my cats from nose to tail. Every inch, just petting and usually more often, but at least at that point. So maybe this is another thing that I need to add to my checklist of stopping and thinking at least once a week about each cat. Have I seen them as much?
2: Where have they been hanging out? Is it yeah. different? Yeah. I noticed that in my smoochie yesterday. That's why I took her to the vet we're still waiting yeah. on some tests but uh she's 9 so she probably has some arthritis going on too yeah. and she's a tripod so a tripod i would expect after surgery like that would i would you not expect that
3: she's
1: even more likely to develop arthritis
3: we are definitely changing the load bearing on the other legs that are remaining. And they're really effective at doing that. I mean, cats, as I'm sure you've experienced, adapt really well to that. Oh, but yeah. it's, uh, that it does raise a question about whether the changing in that load bearing and putting more weight on could potentially be a risk factor. Yeah,
2: she's been it. dragging that leg, the other back leg more. So I think she's got some pain going on, maybe some other okay. things too. But it's so important to notice those things like you're bringing up. You really have to notice and know your cat
3: yeah, recognition, right? Recognition is the first, the first step,
1: yeah. And the sooner we find out, the faster we can help, right? hundred percent that is something that Rita noticed. She said she wasn't using all three legs to get on the couch. She was pulling herself up. She's pulling herself with, up with her front. front claws. She used to and run not and then using of her back up. leg. Now she doesn't do that that's why she went to the doctor so that's yeah it goes
2: into one that of many of just reasons these little differences Bathroom yes, habit yes. changes too all the things you said it's very interesting and you yeah. know what i didn't see my regular vet but i texted him i saw a different vet neither one of them brought up the potential of arthritis neither one of them
1: our first Their- question to all of our clients is when yeah. was your last vet check and there are so many cats we're seeing over age
3: 10 nobody has mentioned the word arthritis to these clients Mm-mm. the vast majority of kitties are going to have it. Like we talked about the the specific uh, data that I'm aware of says 60% of cats at the age of seven have it. So imagine once we hit the age of 10 and to the point you already raised, you know, a lot of cats live to be 18, 19, 20. So kitties are spending sometimes half of their life in that what's considered senior category by the American Association of Feline Practitioners. That's not a negative. It's nothing we're going to hold against our kitties. It just speaks to how important it is to be proactive with evaluating them so they can have a good quality of life for all those years.
2: You don't
1: want them to live half their life in pain. No, definitely not. And would you not suggest that any cat parent or dog parent over the certain age, mention that possibility to their vet. Can you,
3: is there a way to check for it? I mean, what's the diagnostic for arthritis? Oh, good question. Great question. So again, your videos... Your conversation with them, a good physical examination where part of a physical examination is we always think about like looking in the mouth, listening to the heart and the lungs with a stethoscope. But part of what your veterinarian is also doing is evaluating muscle tone, muscle mass, doing what's called an orthopedic and a neurologic evaluation on your pet to see if any pain is elicited. Having said that, your vet is also going to do what we call that minimum database of diagnostics. So once to twice a year, doing a complete blood count and a chemistry panel to look at organ function and a urinalysis to make sure there's nothing that could be going on systemically medically. And then there's an education campaign that's going on right now in our industry, in our profession. And not only educate pet parents on signs of pain in cats, but to educate veterinary professionals, technicians and veterinarians to raise awareness of the prevalence and the very subtle symptoms that we see. So I would expect so that we are going to see veterinarians bringing this topic up more readily as time goes on because of the focus that we've had educationally in our profession. Now, when you ask how else can you diagnose it, certainly radiographs or x-rays, you may see changes consistent with age-related arthritis on x-rays. X-rays are not super sensitive. So what does that mean? That means when you see it, you definitely have it and it's somewhat significant, but you can 100% have normal x-rays and still have arthritis where the changes aren't bad enough that you actually see it in the bone on the x-ray. But you know, your vet may recommend doing some x rays to get a baseline assessment, especially if one area is way more sensitive or painful than another area, because we're looking to make sure there's nothing else going on. Sure.
2: Yeah, that's why I'm waiting Great. for a test back from Smoochie right now. Let's take a break a little bit earlier, then let's come
0: back and talk about what we can do about it. Exactly. And if your cat has it, we'll be right back. How many of you have pets? Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet
2: and we're back with 19 Cats and Counting and the awesome Dr. Kelly talking about osteoarthritis in our cats.
3: Now, let's say your cat's been diagnosed with it. What do we do? That is a great question. And it's one that I'm super excited about because historically we haven't had the tools in our toolkit medically that we do today. And so I, it's, I just, as a kitty veterinarian, I'm so excited by the advances in our profession. So cats just any kind of pain in general, whether it's acute, chronic, anything where you need to decrease inflammation and or reduce pain, we've not had the options in our medical toolkit for treatments, historically, the way we have for dogs. Some of the drugs that we would use to decrease inflammation and pain fall into what's called the NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory categories. So in people, we think about Tylenol or Advil. Ibuprofen, yeah. Right, Ibuprofen. and, And you can't, don't just give those to your pet. You know, always talk to your vet. So, those are human medications. But the kitty and doggy N there's not as many options for cats that are considered as safe all the time for cats. Now, that doesn't mean that there may not be a situation where your vet says this specific NSAID for your cat for two days after a procedure. Again, you talk to your vet about what's appropriate for acute pain. But for long-term pain, we just haven't had a lot of options that have a high, what we call safety profile. So there's just a lot of potential side effects. So here's what's super exciting is that we have had in 2021, a brand new and novel, first and only of its kind drug that has come to the veterinary market. It is the only FDA approved treatment to control the pain associated oh, wow. with osteoarthritis in cats. So it's called silencia and it it has a, what's called a novel mechanism of action. It, it basically targets the inflammatory system mm-hmm. to target a root cause of your cat's osteoarthritis pain. And it has an incredibly high safety profile. Nice. So, um, very, very rarely, maybe a little acute GI upset or a little bit of uncomfortableness. It's an injection. I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, a little bit of uncomfortableness, but serious side effects are exceedingly rare, very uncommon. So it's very well tolerated and safe. And the studies show it's incredibly effective. And Really importantly for me with cats, my own cat or my patients, it is a once a month injection. So it's not like you're having to put a pill in food. It's, you know, it's just once a month, see your vet, get that injection.
1: Hallelujah. Every cat parent everywhere just went, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs)
2: Let me ask a question though. You have to take your cat to the vet for that. I mean, I, I know how to give shots. If you know how
3: to give shots, if you've given insulin before, can you do it at home? So typically at this point, we are recommending that it is given by, and it might be that it's what a, what's called a technician or a nurse appointment where you may not be seeing the vet every month, um, but it is something that at this point is given in the hospital. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's easy. It's quick. You know, it's got a relatively low price point to it. So, you know, it's not something where you're going to be spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month on an injection. Um And it is, it's cool to understand the impact it can have. So if you are someone who likes to Google, you can see all these videos that are posted of cats. And I myself have about six or seven cats that I've been a part of their care just in the last few months that have started on this, including some team members that I work with at Thrive. And just to see firsthand the videos before and then the videos after, and a cat, again, the cat that you think is totally normal going up the stairs slowly, and now they've been on Silencia for two months, and they are running up those stairs <gasps> like a kitten. I love that. Sometimes it
1: happens so slowly. Sometimes it's hard to gauge, and you don't realize how yeah. how much of a change there's been.
2: Well, just like Smoochie. I mean, all, she's probably been crawling up the sofa like that for longer than I've noticed it. I didn't notice till she started having often problems going in the litter box. She's, she's been peeing and pooping more on the floor. So I yeah. think even getting into the litter box is being a struggle for her lately.
1: Well, and you said you also noted a funky
2: smell in the yeah. poo. And I and think that, that's, you that's know, a different thing though. That's, that's not something else, you know,
1: Yeah, everything is we're main t- watching our cats for maintenance and, and seeing where they're at.
2: That's an important thing to be doing too. Yeah. We did a, we did a senior panel just so we have a baseline.
3: That's good. When you talk about what to do for these kitties, too, I mean, certainly, I think, I mean, I rarely say there's a silver bullet, but truly, like, this has been a game changer for our cats with osteoarthritis, this medication. But that's certainly not going to be the only tool in your toolkit. So, mm-hmm environmental modifications. So doing what you can do to make things easier for your cat to reach more accessible. So I've had um, folks that where their cat likes that big, deep litter box with the high walls, especially if they like to do this and dig and it doesn't fly out or you want a lid, but buy ones that have a very low entry. So the cat doesn't have to jump over into it. Or even I've had folks that have cut out and customized a hole So that your older cat can just walk right in, you know, making sure that the things they need to reach are ground level. I mean, even if they feel more comfortable because of the Silencia medication, we still don't want to have everything they need to, you know, five feet high, right? Yeah, they've got
2: litter boxes created specifically for seniors. And those would be good for this because they're very low. The entry is almost even with the floor. Yes, Rita's favorite is when
1: clients tell us they have one of those top Entry litter boxes that the cat has to jump into and jump out of no 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 have you not seen
3: these maybe a little in the back of my mind i remember seeing one but i'm I'm like that's awful
2: even if your cat or
3: something with even if they don't have arthritis
2: even if they don't have arthritis they're having to push up and leap to get out of the box right no
1: and it's you know the idea is less litter scatter which Totally appeals to me. That's really not true. My feet up before at, I get into bed. But as a cat sitter, at I can What tell expense?
0: You. Oh, okay. not I really.
1: I didn't know. But at what expense? Yes, when you have to launch yourself from the ground up and out. No, that just seems like a lot of stress to those back legs and the joints.
3: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, make it easy for the kitties. Yeah.
2: What do you think of CBD as a treatment for pain and arthritis? We've been uh, recommended that by a vet we had on our show a while back.
3: Well, yeah, I saw that episode. Yeah, it was really interesting. So I think, and so just to just to for the audience to make sure that we are all on the same page, so CBD or the the cannabis oil as being distinct from medical marijuana, and it's not medical marijuana, which is a whole other situation, right? So, you know, CBD in there, we are starting to get a little bit more data and studies, but in animals, a lot of stuff is anecdotal. We don't have a lot of evidence-based studies looking at CBD in, in animals. Right now, the regulations of that are very different state to state. So there are, and you can go, there's actually a, a website that you can go and look at. Is it legal for veterinarians to be dispensing CBD out of their hospital, like you got it from them? Is it legal for them to be writing a prescription for you to get somewhere else? Some variations are certainly over the counter. If anyone watching this is like, well, my vet has not brought this up. There's a lot of reasons why that might be because again, every state is different with regard to with the Veterinary Practice Act in that state, what is allowed and what is not allowed. So I just, I want to put that out there as a, dis- That's as a disclaimer, good, which you. is yes. totally a different conversation than is that, is it efficacious? So, you know, I do have practitioners that I have talked to who have said that they've used it and they feel that it is helpful for a variety of conditions. I can't tell you that there's very strong evidence-based data in the veterinary space, which is not me naysaying it or yaying it. It's just giving you the evidence, right. Don't have enough information to make it. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I did I did find that. I think it was Dr. Tim that said that, that in some places they can't even recommend CBD. A vet would get totally in trouble for even saying, try this. So know? when we
2: send people to his site, they not ne- necessarily able to bite depending on where they live. Is that yeah, true? They, yeah he, the CBD can be sent
1: anywhere, right? No. It's just that your vet may not be able to recommend it.
3: Right. What a veterinarian with regard to your your license and the state that you work in and the Veterinary Practice Act, it's different state by state. And so, you know, that's where, you know, again, it's it's over the counter supplements. For, you also have to be careful about not just CBD, but any supplement that they are not regulated the way that prescription medications are regulated. So understanding whatever that supplement is, whether it's a joint supplement like glucosamine, chondroitin, you know, uh, omega fatty acids, whatever the supplement is, making sure that you, you've you done enough research to understand that what that vendor says is in that supplement is really what it is and that it's high quality and shown to be bioavailable that's something else to think about with any supplement. They're not always created equal related to the maybe lack of regulation that a prescription medication may have on it.
1: And that's part of the, we stumbled into that in 2020 when we were looking for calming aids and we started ripping into some of these ingredient lists and things. Uh There's very little, if any, I mean, like, you don't have to list what the ingredients are. The first calming spray we looked at said preservatives. And I really had to do a deep dive to find out they were three preservatives, all of which are known to be a moderate risk of organ toxicity. Mm. I was getting mad. Okay.
3: Uh, It's a popular.
2: carcinogens in it. It's a popular brand, too. Very
3: popular brand. Yeah. I am a big big proponent in my practice as a clinical internist. I am a big proponent of using any tool in the toolkit that I think is going to be helpful to my patient and their and their family. And that involves traditional medicines, as well as supplements, diet, nutraceuticals, you know, even things that fall into the realm of alternative and complementary therapeutics. There's some things for which acupuncture can be incredibly helpful. I really believe that as, as veterinarians, we need to look at every tool in the toolkit. And then I also, though, counsel my you know pet parents to look at, again, If there's 500 things that we can do, what are the things that we think statistically are the most likely to be helpful to your pet, sustainable or doable, meaning your pet is gonna take those things, your lifestyle allows you to do those things and potentially the most efficacious or beneficial. And then we're gonna have to pick what we do. And you raise a great point. There's a lot of things out there that have a name on the label that sound amazing in the marketing, right? So that's where I think, doing a little research, talking to your veterinarian can help you come up with a customized plan that's going to probably hopefully be best for your cat.
0: Yeah. I
2: like amen. that. A lot of people just, you know, they try to treat all these things at home because they don't want to take their cat to the vet. Or it's too difficult to take your cat to the vet. But we can help you with that. Yeah. Well, because-
1: I'm all about going holistic when we can. I do a lot of holistic things for myself. Yeah, I do too. But I also take pharmaceuticals. Got one due to be picked up today. I uh, you know, it's how much can you do with this stuff? If if you can do some things holistically that help, great. But there are times when we need medication. We should not shy. I don't think it's your jump to first, but I think there are times we need it. We shouldn't be afraid of it. So many people are like, no, just, you know, I just want to stick with the holistic stuff. But for myself, if I'm in that much pain and nothing holistically is helping, baby, I'm taking whatever that doctor
2: gives me. Yeah. Yep. Relief. But the thing we have to remember too, your cats don't have a choice. You have to be the one to make sure that they get what they need.
3: You know, one of the nice things when we talk about osteoarthritis pain, there's lots of different classes of medications that can help decrease pain. And so I do want to point out, in case anyone is uh, wondering, the Silencia that I mentioned, it is not what we call an opioid pain medication. So we think about like morphine and codeine. It's not. It's nothing to do with that. It's literally a medication that decreases the inflammation in the body that causes pain. So oh. that, so it, it's not going to make your cat groggy, you know, it's not going to make your cat zo- like it literally is going to, your cat's going to feel better and have no side effects. So like, again, if we go to the dentist and we have a a really significant procedure, you know, teeth extracted, we might get some Tylenol with codeine, which cats can't take, don't give your cat Tylenol. (laughs) Um, But you know, that codeine, what does it do? It helps dull your pain, but you're also super sleepy, right? And so we definitely use those types of what are called opioid pain medications in animals for certain conditions for acute pain. But with a chronic condition, we don't want to just dull that with a medicine that makes you sleep. We want something that's going to target the root of the of the inflammation associated with the pain.
1: I'm so glad you said that because we've had clients tell us, you know, they, they put them on blah, blah. How did that work? That's always our answer. The couch potato. I lost my cat. My cat has no personality. You move the cat to, to watch the video, you know, it's sad. And people don't want that. And they will give up getting the relief from the medication to get their cat back. So I am really glad you said that. That's very important. And I think that's something a lot of people are afraid of.
0: Right? Yeah.
1: Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And this is available now,
3: right? The Silencia. You can go to your vet right now and say, I want to talk about this. I have an older cat here's the things I'm seeing at home. Here's the video. Can you do an exam? What do you think? And your vet may not have that medication in their hospital pharmacy yet. Again, it's newer. Again, 2021 is when the study came out. It was last year that it really officially kind of launched um, in the vet profession, but it's super easy to have them order it, have it in and have it ready to go for you.
2: That's, that's perfect. I
0: love this that. Is...
3: I don't have any stock in the company that makes right. it. Like I'm, I am an, uh, I'm, I'm speaking as a veterinary professional that's really experienced it to improve medical outcomes. So uh, yeah. I understand.
1: It's exciting because we've talked about this. For years about, you know, if my cat's in pain, especially like after a surgical procedure, you know, they give you X number of pills. And it's usually about that last pill I'm going, I don't even know if you need this, if I'm over medicating you. Then again, I don't know if once I give you that last one, if you don't need more. I just, it's frustrating. And to think of our cats being in pain all the time and not being able to help them is maddening. Like we got to help them, right? We got to fix this. So it's exciting that there's something. And something relatively safe without a lot of side effects. It's not going to knock them out or make them crazy or, you know, just going to help them to have a better life. Right. And when cats are in pain, we know they are not as active. They don't eat as much, drink as much. They may not be getting as much nutrition. So chronic pain like that could lead to a decline in
3: health. in could lead to behavior right? issues it can lead to behavior issues, it can lead to secondary medical issues. Because again, to your point, if you're, you know, in pain, and you're maybe not drinking as much, and you're an older kitty that has some early age related chronic kidney changes. And now it tips you into progression of that. I mean, I'm telling you, the pain associated with osteoarthritis is probably one of the if not the, you know, or tied for biggest things that contributes to a decreased quality of life in older cats. So this is why this is Such an important, it's such an important thing for people to uh, pay attention to.
2: That's often overlooked, I think. I mean, I've not been to a veterinarian yet who's brought that up. I've I've brought it up. I know you sent us, there's a checklist people can follow to figure out whether or not their cats uh, need some type of intervention.
3: Yes, there is. So if you go online and you Google recognizing osteoarthritis uh, pain in cats, and it's, um, I believe on the uh, Zoetis is the name of the company, Z-O-E-T-I-S, that makes that checklist. It's yes. literally, they, it walks you through all of the specific questions that you can go to. I would encourage folks to check that out and take the checklist and see where that sets you.
2: I've got it in front of me. It's com slash checklist slash osteochecklist dash cat. And we will include this in the write-up. We will make sure that link is available somewhere on our website. What else can we do? So
1: my cat's got arthritis. I'm going to get the Silencia litter boxes. We're going to make those a little easier. I've suggested steps to people before. They're like, I don't know. She used to sleep with me all the time and now she doesn't. Maybe she can't jump up in your bed. Put some steps next to your bed.
3: Yeah. And I think, well, I think that things that we can do just in general for senior, so for senior cats or older cats, if we think about it, if you have um, pain from osteoarthritis, you are probably not going to be grooming yourself as much either. I mean, we see that commonly with older cats. So, you know, one of the things like that I do, wait a second, I don't know where he is. I have to find Oshi because I wanted him to be on video. Um, but one of the things that I do for with Oshi is we have a little ritual where I brush him <laughs> and groom him every night. And I actually will take like a wash, a little damp washcloth and I'll stroke. And then it stimulates those glands that release those, you know, calming chemicals. I'll do like the way, almost like a tongue of another cat and I'll do his ears and I, and I brush him. So, Uh... you know, I think, you know, I think that's how we can help our kitties. If they're a little more unkempt, they're not grooming as much, Uh do it for them. Right. Because then we know that's comfortable and it releases endorphins when you're brushing. And then, you know, I would also say that the other things for folks to think about, so we've been focusing a lot on pain associated with arthritis in older cats, which is we hopefully everybody, you know, believes is really important to recognize because it's probably present. But also, I think with our older kitties, we want to pay attention to their oral health and any gingivitis or dental disease. And that's why you're going to your vet and they're evaluating that. Age is not a disease. And the American Association of Feline Practitioners says there is no reason why, just because you're a senior cat, you inherently cannot have anesthesia for something like a dental. Your vet's going to do blood work, going to look at organ function, going to look at heart and lungs just because you're over a certain age. Age is not a disease. So let's yeah. take care of those teeth because if we have dental disease, right, that can lead to pain and a host of other problems. Yeah, sure. Right. And then, you know, also just again, um, we've talked about routine blood and urine testing. So you can identify those things that might happen more frequently when a cat gets older, like early kidney disease.
2: Yes.
1: Yes. Just like we go for a well check every year, right? Kidney
3: disease. Yeah. Oh yeah. We
2: we have to do that that another time because we've experienced a couple with with that. Lost a few to kidney disease. It just seems like it's an inevitable uh, thing when cats get older. That's what we've talked about. Diabetes, thyroid, kidney
1: arthritis.
3: River. It's like just buckle up.
1: If you've got a senior, <laughs> something's coming.
3: <laughs> we'll talk about all those things. True. Yeah, it's true.
1: We'll have to because it's all it all goes with it. Yeah. When you think she's you said six, all of a sudden I'm like, I usually baseline my cats at 20. I want them to live to be 20, hopefully longer, yes. but 20. That's six years of no ar- arthritis and 14 years of dealing with it
3: of potential arthritis. Yeah. Potential. yeah. Seven
1: to 10. Seven to 10 10 is
3: considered, is considered, you know, mature, mature, you know, mature adult and 10 over 10 is considered, you know, senior.
2: So that means I only have three that are not in that age range. That's really frightening. 13 of my cats. I was fast. fast.
1: (laughs) I know it goes fast, doesn't it? Yes. It's like, but that just seems like such a short amount of time, you know, the first seven years and then they live to be 21. That's only a third of their life that they're living without the arthritis if they get the arthritis. So that's, we owe it to them to help them. I mean, if we're talking about the majority of their life spent this way, it's one thing when in those last moments when you're like, yeah, they're old and they've got this and they're getting close to the rainbow bridge, but to live two thirds of your life that way is not okay.
2: We it's owe it not. to them. Yeah. That's why those seniors were building their sanctuary just for those seniors and special need cats. Yes. end up in the shelter. Do you really think it's comfortable for them in those cramped little cages?
1: No. That's true too. Yeah, that's even worse.
2: Oh. So, Any last words of wisdom for all our listeners out there, Dr. Kelly?
3: Well, I will say it. I'll probably say it every time you ask me this. It's just be your pet's advocate. Be your cat's advocate. You know your cat better than anybody. See your vet once to twice a year, be your cat's advocate, find that veterinarian that's going to be your partner, that's going to work with you. And that's our goal. That's our goal, right? So if you see something, say something, bring your cat in. If you can find a veterinarian that even has a membership plan where, you know, you can go in anytime. Like some of our hospitals have that. We don't, we're working to do it all over the country, but certain nice. geographic markets, nice. we have a- Yeah. A a plan that is super affordable, where if you see your vet twice a year, you know, you're already more than paid for the cost of that. And you can go in anytime. (gasps) You can go in four times a week if you want. I need that. So, (laughs) you know, again, you know, look for a vet in your area that might have something like that or have something that makes it easy for you to go in or have a call or have an email. Be your cat's advocate. We want to help you. That's
2: amazing. Yes, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. We are so happy that you're going to be on at least once a month, sharing all of your wisdom with us. Um, and Linda, of course, always thank you for being my co-host. Did you have anything last minute to say, Linda?
1: Oh, I have a million questions I could ask you <laughs> but we're out of time. So just
2: keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could make a whole nother podcast if we just keep you here. But thank you so much. And of course. Mark Winter, I have to always thank him for giving us this awesome spot on Pet Life Radio and making us sound so good. And just remember, every day is cat Day. We'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.